Well, it is a beautiful day. Good day, everyone. Welcome to Live with Doug. We are thinking through God's Word together. Great to have you along. Hey, Ken. Good afternoon, Rob. Lewis, good morning. Megan, it is a beautiful day. We will rejoice and be glad in this day. Good morning, Edgar. Warren, keep grinding those cranks. Hey, Dale, happy Friday Eve. Love it. So, Andy uh, Ber Berliger, uh, are you a first-time commenter? Great to have you with us. He says, good morning. Just wanted to say thanks for your thoughts yesterday about reading the text in front of you without, <coughs> excuse me, without bringing in other text, reckoning and forgiveness. Yeah, the comments, both during the chat and that I get every day on a variety of videos, we are just so trained, so thoroughly and uh, immutably trained to read the Bible as a systematic theology. Even if you don't use that terms, even if you're not, you know, really even familiar or cognizant of that terminology. Uh, we, we've been trained, we're, we're cross-reference word study Christians. And that's not how the Bible is presented. And we're going to see that today. It's very timely because of something that the Apostle Paul says today. So I appreciate uh, uh, that uh, expression, Andy, and, uh, and thanks for sharing that. And yep, we're going to see that again today. So we're in Romans 15. We are on the, on the, on the edge of the end. How do we, is that what I want to say? We, the end of Romans is on the horizon. It's not too far away. And we have some good stuff uh, in front of us, even if you are the type that just flips through these concluding exhortations and chapters. There's a lot here. So let's take a look at it. So Romans 15 verse 4 says, and by the way, I just want to say there are a few textual variants between the Textus Receptus and the other manuscripts. I'm reading from the literal standard version, which is translated from the Textus Receptus, kind of like the King James. I prefer, I believe the other manuscripts are better so I just wanted you to know, for any of you who ever read Greek, study Greek, know Greek, uh, if it's important to the meaning, I will point out where the different groups of manuscripts disagree and differ. If it's not important, I tend to just move ahead. So we're going to see some of that today. I, I may or may not mention it as we go. Anyway, I, I say that because the first uh, phrase here, for as many things in the uh, better manuscripts, this is singular, not plural. Instead of as many things, it would be as much as were written before. Uh, but, all right, so without, with that out of the way. For as many things as were written before, for our instruction were written before. Okay, so just pause there for a minute. The things that were written before, that's before Paul's day, He's talking about, of course, the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. Paul wouldn't have called it that. He just called it the writings or the scripture. But for us, we know he's referring to the Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi. And he says, everything that was written there, as much as was written prior, was written for our instruction or our teaching. And notice the purpose. This That is a henna clause in the Greek. That's a, a purpose statement. For this purpose, that through 
the endurance and through the exhortation of the writings, we might have the hope. Now, I'm stressing the hope. If you have studied Greek, or maybe you've heard someone talk about Greek, the definite article, the in English, or the, uh, sometimes it's translated, sometimes it's not. And it's not always intended to um, really focus on something in particular. What I mean by that is, if you took out the definite article here, then it would say that through the endurance and through the exhortation of the writings, we might have hope. That sounds general, doesn't it? So we have the words, we have the Old Testament, so that we have hope. And then you can sort of extrapolate that to, we should be hopeful people. Uh, we have hope. Jesus is coming back. We're going to die and go to heaven. We, we can endure through this life in hope that it's all going to be okay, which is what we tend to do with the scripture. We, we personalize it so much into our current circumstances. And it becomes this, sentimental, almost psychological self-help book. That is not what Paul's getting at. I believe he puts the definite article here because he is talking about a particular or specific or definite hope. An expectation, that's what hope is, an, a, an expectation. As much as it was written before, it was written for our teaching, for our instruction, so that through the endurance and through the exhortation of the writings, we, talking about himself and the first century audience, that we might have the hope. What hope? The hope of the coming of the Messiah for the nations. See how that's different from just this sense of, oh, I can get through today, I have hope. No, it's the hope, the promise of the coming of Messiah for the nations. He's, he's broadening back out to the general exhortation he's been giving to the whole letter. And even more recently, why is he concerned that they love one another, that the weaker brother who can't quite let go of some of the, the Jewish scruples and that the stronger brother, that the two of them get together and work this out and live together in peace. Because the hope, the, the Messiah has come and he has come to bring Jews and Gentiles together in his kingdom. And what is the nature of his kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So he's reminding them this is where it was all heading from the beginning. We ought, we who are strong, to bear the weakness of the powerless, not to please ourselves. It's not about me. It's not about my freedoms. For let each one of us please the neighbor for good. Be thinking about how you can please your neighbor and for edification to, to build him up, for even Christ did not please himself, but according to as it has been written, 
The reproaches of those reproaching you fell on me. This is from Psalm 69. And if you go back and read Psalm 69 from the perspective of Jesus, that he's the one in this psalm, that's what he's saying. He's saying to the, to the Lord, to, to who we would call God the Father, he's saying, I am being reproached. The, the reproaches are falling on me, those which were on you. So the people who are reproaching you, Lord, are now reproaching me. And Paul reads that as a Christian, says, oh, this is about Jesus. That's what I mean by reading it as a Christian. It's about Christ. So even Christ didn't come to please himself. He came to please others and take upon himself the reproaches that belong to others. For as many as were written, many things were written before, for our instruction were written that through the endurance, that is an interesting phrase, isn't it? The endurance of what? And through the exhortation of the writings, grammatically, the writings could be the endurance that the writings have endured. I think that's what he's getting at. So that we might have the hope, the promises, the hope laid out in the scriptures, in the writings of the Old Testament. The endurance of those and the exhortation of them to bring us the hope. And may the God of the endurance, the one who enabled the promise, the hope to endure, and the exhortation, may he give to you to have the same mind toward one another according to Christ Jesus. That with one accord, with one mouth, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See the call for unity. Get rid of these distinctions and, and divisions between Jews and Gentiles. With one mouth, claim together the Lord Jesus and glorify his God and his Father. For this reason, receive one another. According as also the Christ received us to the glory of God. So you see how he's tying together the hope and the promise of the coming of Messiah to the unity of that we are to fight for in Christ, to glorify Jesus and his Father. He goes on, and he's going to continue to call for unity, give Jesus as the example, and move toward the hope of the nations. And I say, Jesus Christ, to have become a servant of circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises to the fathers. All right, so he's just summing up what he has already said through this whole letter. Jesus, the Messiah, came to serve circumcision. What does he mean by that? He's come to serve the Jewish people. They were the people of circumcision for the truth of God. Because God had promised that the Jews would receive blessing, right? To confirm the promises to the fathers. God made the promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so on. Well, Jesus came to serve circumcision, serve the Jews, and fulfill, bring to pass the hope that was promised to them. But not just for the circumcision. Verse 9, and the nations, the nations, all nations of the earth, 
for kindness or mercy. Getting back to the end of chapter 11, you've received mercy now. To glorify God according as it has been written. And now he's going to list off four different quotes from the Old Testament. Because of this, I will confess to you among nations, and to your name I will sing praise. Again, it says, Rejoice, you nations, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you nations, and laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, There will be the root of Jesse, who is rising to rule the nations. On him, nations will hope. All right, so what Paul is doing is he is now reading the Old Testament as a Christian. Oh, I missed some of your comments. I'll come back and look at those. All right, he's reading the Old Testament. So this first quote is from Psalm 18. And I, I'm going to resist the temptation to read the whole psalm, but I would encourage you to do it and read the whole Psalm 18 as though it were about Jesus. Because it is. The one true God, I'm just going to back up to verse 47 here. The one true God completely vindicates me. Now, now think of this as Jesus saying this. He makes nations submit to me. He delivers me from my enemies. You snatch me away from those who attack me. You rescue me from violent men. So I will give thanks, give you thanks before the nations, O Lord. I will sing praises to you. So Paul reads that and says, Oh, the hope of the nations, of the Messiah coming and ruling the nations, the nations submitting to him, and Jesus giving thanks to the Lord for these nations that are now his. That was the hope. So Paul's writing to this Roman church. You are part of the nations that Jesus has come to give thanks for and to claim submission from because that's what Psalm 18 says because Psalm 18 is about Jesus. Deuteronomy 32, this is the song of Moses talking about God's judgment on his people for their sin. Verse 42, I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword will devour flesh. The blood of the slaughtered and captured, the chief of the enemy's leaders. So he has warned them all the way through this song that his disobedient people are going to suffer the consequences of their disobedient. And then he says, cry out or rejoice, O nations, with his people. So there will be a remnant of the Jewish people and the nations. And they're all to rejoice. For he will avenge his servant's blood. He will take vengeance against his enemies and make atonement for his land and people. These promises of hope and vengeance on their enemies and atonement includes not only the Jews, but the nations. Same thing in Psalm 117. This is only a two-verse psalm. Two verses, that's all it is. And Paul says, This is about Jesus. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Applaud him, all you foreigners, for his loyal, true towers. I'm sorry, for his loyal love towers over us and the Lord's faithfulness endures. Praise the Lord. All you nations, all you foreigners worship the Lord. That's about Jesus. That's the hope 
that the Messiah would come and the nations would applaud him. Last one that Paul quotes here is from Isaiah 11. You know this, probably. At that time, a root from Jesse will stand like a signal flag for the nations. That's going to be this banner calling the nations to rally to it. Nations will look to him for guidance and his residence will be majestic. Now, what is it that comes right before? It says, at that time. At what time? Do you know how chapter 11 goes? A shoot will grow out of Jesse's root stock. A bud will sprout from his roots. The spirit will rest on him. Right? The Lord's spirit will rest on this one, this shoot of Jesse. A spirit that gives extraordinary wisdom. A spirit that provides the ability to execute plans. A spirit that produces absolute loyalty to the Lord. The New Testament tells us this is Jesus. So God's spirit rested on Jesus. He was given extraordinary wisdom, the ability to execute plans. He is loyal to the Father, to the Lord. Remember how many times it says, my meat, my drink, everything I do is just for the Father. He will take delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by mere appearances or make decisions on the basis of hearsay. He will treat the poor fairly, make right decisions for the downtrodden of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and order the wicked to be executed. This is Jesus doing this. Now he has come. Justice will be like a belt around his waist, integrity like a belt around his, his hips. This is why I continue to exhort you to be like me and pray for justice in our nation because the hope of the nations has come and he wears justice like a belt. Look at all the wicked that's happening. Look at all the wicked of our governments. Pray that the, the Messiah who has come would bring justice and destroy the wicked. Now about this, a wolf will reside with a lamb a leopard will lie down with a young goat. An ox and a young lion will graze together as a small child leads them along. A cow and a bear will graze together. Their, their young will lie down. A lion, like an ox, will eat straw. A baby will play over the hole of a snake, over the nest of a serpent. An infant will put his hand. They will no longer injure or destroy on my entire royal mountain, for there will be universal submission to the Lord's sovereignty, just as the waters completely cover the sea. At that time, a root from Jesse will stand like a signal flag for the nations. And Paul quotes that here in Romans and says, the time is now. This was 2,000 years ago. And the God of the hope, the hope of that coming Messiah, will fill you with all joy and peace in the believing for your abounding in the hope in power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. The kingdom is now. The Messiah is reigning. We should be people of great joy and peace and expecting justice to increase and peace to cover the earth. And it has to start with us who know the hope. And so he exhorts them 
And here we are 2,000 years later, needing the same exhortation. The hope has come. The nations are coming to, to Zion. They're coming to Christ. And let us lead the way and show them peace and joy in the Holy Spirit and power and righteousness. All right, let me get back to a couple of your comments that... Uh, uh, Ron says, we have a new granddaughter. Congratulations, Ron. Edgar says, my Romans 8 through 11 paper, good chunk of it was because of going back and reading the Old Testament and summarizing it to get the context and how and why it was used. Yep, that'll change everything about the way you understand the scripture if you learn how to do that. Dale says, if you ask a Greek article whether the referent is definite, it will simply decline. <laughs> nice Greek joke. Jeff says, I feel like when we don't honor God and do exactly what is written here, we change the stated character nature of God. Uh, well, I don't think we can change anything about God, but maybe we misrepresent him. Is that maybe what you're getting at? Rob says, it is a beautiful thing. He is not simply quoting the Old Testament with no purpose, as some might think, but re reading it through the lens of Christ being the fulfillment. Absolutely. Without Christ, most of the Old Testament would not make much sense, indeed. Dan says, thank God for his word. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Edgar says, when it speaks of the animals, should we take that symbolic or literal? Uh, I take it literally. I know it sounds crazy. Although, do you see all these videos going around of people with pet bears and leopards, tigers? I mean, we've domesticated dogs. Anyway, I take it literally. All right. So dwell on these things. Read the Old Testament as a Christian and live as citizens of the kingdom full of righteousness, joy, and peace. The hope has come. It's a good thing. Have a great hopeful day. Tomorrow is a Freeform Friday. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. So I hope to see you then. Have a great day. God bless.